Thank you for joining us for another podcast called Manage Your Money God's Way. We're from Compass Catholic Ministries. We're dedicated to helping you discover smarter ways to manage your money. Whether you are in debt or free of debt, we have the resources to help you reach your financial goals so you can live with a sense of joy and contentment. Learn how we can help by checking out our website, compasscatholic.org. My name is Steve Holbrook, and I'm joined, as always, by the co-founders of Compass Catholic Ministries, John and Evelyn Bean. Well, here we are more than halfway through 2020, and this would be a great time of the year to really assess your finances. So, Evelyn, let's call it a financial health check. So, Steve, I really like that article you sent us from CBS News about the Financial Health Network. It's a nonprofit which does consulting and research for the financial service industry. And it was interesting to see that they did a recent survey aimed at assessing people's financial health by asking about debt, savings, bills, and wages, among other things. Uh, You know, the the impressive thing is, is that they got 5,400 responses to the survey. So that makes it a pretty... um, Reliable. Reliable, significant survey. Um, They found that 7 in 10 Americans struggle with at least some aspect of financial stability, such as paying their bills or or saving money. And 1 in 5 middle class workers are spending more than they earn. And that's not unusual. No. In fact, I'm surprised that it's that low. I mean, that's basically 20%. I would put it more at 50%. Yeah, I agree with you. It says 20% of the women say they're stressed by money compared to 13% of the men. That makes sense to me because I think women are much more concerned about stability and security than men are. I think men have a tendency to fly by the seat of their pants more than women do. And when I was reading that survey, it occurred to me that a lot of people handle their finances like they're playing whack-a-mole. So it's like, oh, this bill came up. We'll try to pay that one off. Oh, this is past due. We'll have to pay this. Oh, this emergency came up. We'll have to go over here. And they just bounce from thing to thing to thing instead of having a plan for how to handle their finances. When people are living at the poverty level, they're struggling. Okay. And that that's that a very sense. difficult. Yeah, yeah. That's a very difficult situation. But almost 20% of the people earning between 30000 and 100000 uh, say that they're spending more than they earned also. And I don't think that stops at 100000 I think, Steve, you've been right. with some people, coached some people that were making way more than that, and, and um, uh, they were not spending and, and within their budget. And don't you hear that a lot? People always say, if I can only make more money, yes. I would be fine. I wouldn't yes. have... But I that would. seems to happen. If you have a bad habit of spending more than you earn at $30,000, you are going to do the same thing whether you earn 130000 because habits are bad. Yeah. yeah, your lifestyle expands every time you get that little bit more money and you just never stop and think about it and calm down. We've lived that lifestyle before. <laughs> <laughs> and it was not a happy place to I be. I was going to say, how did you like that? <laughs> well, I, it was I, fine until we realized I, what we were doing I, wrong. I, I was just going to say, I'm sure it was fine until all of a sudden, it wow. It wasn't fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that was the whack-a-mole part, you know. There were too many moles that were coming up and we couldn't whack them all at one time. <laughs> I mean, how, I mean... Seriously, how did you handle that when the bills started coming in? In fact, um, we got called to have our tax return audited one year, remember? Yes. And the auditor was telling us that we were hiding money because we spent more than we made. Well, it was that much. But all we were doing was putting the stuff on credit cards. Okay. And she wasn't looking at the debt we racked up. She was just looking at our spending versus what we made. And she was right. We were spending more than we made, but we were also getting ourselves deeper and deeper in debt. Yes. 
Without so, question. And I think people need to hit bottom at some level. And the bottom could be realizing there's no savings for college for the kids or having a bill come up that they can't pay or stress in the marriage. But there's some point at which people wake up and turn around. No, this couple that Audrey and I worked with were making close to a half a million a year. And it wasn't until they were in their late 50s and it dawned on them they had nothing. I mean, zero save for retirement. I was talking to someone the other day, and they were saying that they had this really good deal on a purse. They bought some kind of special name brand purse, which I don't even know what it is, for only $300. And I'm thinking, I don't think all the purses I own add up to $300. So how many people consider themselves financially healthy? So we're talking about unhealthy. Well, according to the survey, about 30% said that they were financially healthy, which in you know, in terms of the survey, it means that don't struggle with spending too much. Uh, they're saving uh, enough. Uh, they're not borrowing. Uh, they've got financial planning, and so you know they basically have a plan, and and they're doing well. And that's the big thing is to have a plan, right? Because well, it's not how much you make; it's how you manage what you make. Yeah, it's not the income. It's it's uh, you know how much you got left after you get done spending. Because you can have a very small income and still be financially healthy. And like you said, Steve, you can have a large income and be financially unhealthy. Mm -hmm. So how do we gauge, how do we help people gauge their financial health in 2020? Let's think about the questions that these people should be asking themselves. You got to first realize that if you don't know where you want to end up, where you want to be in the future, where you want to go, then having a plan is meaningless. It's like taking a trip and, and... just getting in the car and starting to drive and having no sense of where you want to go. You got to use the GPS. You, In order to use the GPS, you got to know where you're going, what the end destination is. And that should be the same way with your finances. You should know where you want to be. I want to have saved this much money. I want to have accomplished this with my finances. So, um, Begin with the end in begin mind. Begin with the end in mind, yeah. Absolutely. So in this case, it would be, I want to eliminate my debt. Uh, it could be anything. I want to eliminate my debt. I want to save for the kids to go to college. Mm-hmm. I want to pay off the car. I want to be debt-free in the house. I want to re- remodel the kitchen. It could be whatever the yeah. financial goal is. I mean, even as much as I, I want to start my own business, mm-hmm. you know. So you got to save for those kinds of things. And in the Compass Catholic Bible study, Faith and Money Matters, we have a money map. And uh, the map's also available on our website at compasscatholic.org. And it takes you through the steps until you reach true financial freedom, which means that in the end, you have no debt. You've saved enough money to live on in retirement. And now you're free to do the things that you want to do. Or to answer God's call. And there's no time limit. This isn't a map that says you will do this in one year. No. Okay. No, it's all about where you are and where you want to go. But the bottom line, you have to be committed to taking this journey. You can't just, like well, a diet. You're not going to get there willy-nilly. If that's... Right. I mean, it's like a diet. I'm going to go on a diet tomorrow. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you tomorrow know, never great. comes. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Is that a song? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, it's like anything else in life. If you're going to accomplish a goal, you have to have specific steps to get there. And these are the steps to help you reach financial freedom. There's actually six steps that you can go through. We call them destinations. Destination one, destination two, all the way up to... Destination seven, which is true financial freedom. And, you know, through that process, you're going to have short-term goals. You're going to have midterm goals. You're going to have long-term goals. 
as you go through, you can check off the things that you've accomplished. There's actually little check boxes there for you to check it off. And I think that's important because so many people say, well, I'm not a money person. I don't know how to manage money. I don't know what to do. And this gives you the steps to do. And you just complete each destination in order. Number one is first. Number two is second. So if you go back to the earliest one you have incomplete, it just gives you the steps to follow in order to have your financial goals reached. Everybody's at a different place in their journey. And it's truly a journey. And so when you first look at the map, you just go through it and you check. Well, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. And then like Evelyn was saying, you go back to where the earliest one is maybe, and probably it's destination one, which says you need to have a $1,000 emergency fund. And most people don't have that. So that's where they've got to start. Then you are going to have to ask yourself basic questions. How much liquid money do you have for daily use? In other words, what's your net spendable income? How much short-term savings uh, for accomplishing goals later this year or in the next couple of years do you need? Uh, what kind of rate of return are you going to get? How much midterm savings do you need? What about your long-term? What are you going to do with your long-term savings? Is it college? Is it retirement? Is it something else? Moving to the beach. Moving to the beach, you know. <laughs> And then what are your goals? Are there education goals or starting a business, retirement, moving to the beach, like Evelyn said, or, or going into a full-time volunteer role? So these are all things that you want to start thinking about, and they will help you plan how to move forward. You know, when we were in the business world, I was a facilitator for Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and that was the number one thing, was start with the end in mind, because if you don't know where you're going, you're never going to get there. And uh, that was a really good business practice, but it's also a really good personal practice, because you have to have a goal, and you have to have plans in order to reach that goal. Evelyn could not agree with you more. For my wife and I, we have two or three short-term goals, uh, things that we want to achieve this year. We also have one or two long-term goals. These are goals that are three, five years into the future. Either case, we do discuss our progress several times throughout the year. This way, we stay focused and we stay on track. And if you do not have goals in place, or maybe you do have goals but not a plan, on how you're going to achieve those, then I really would emphasize that you start working on that sooner than later. This is Manage Your Money God's Way. We are from Compass Catholic Ministries, and let us help you achieve your goals. Go to compasscatholic.org to learn how. Okay, John, I'd like to hear the story about you and Evelyn's transformation from back in the days when you were winging it, or as you like to call it, flying by the seat of your pants, to the time when you two finally got it right. You know, Evelyn, when you think back about our first 10 or 15 years of marriage, maybe even 18 years of marriage, we were basically flying by the seat of our pants. Then once we got exposed to what we teach in the Bible study and, and that uh, the uh, scriptural principles of how to handle your money, it caused us to really sit down and create a short-term plan to get out of debt. I mean, we pretty much hit the bottom, so nothing was going to be a, a total failure because anything would be better than what we had, <laughs> all right? And then once we got our debt under control, we really got serious about creating a midterm and a long-term plan. And I think the thing that's, real, uh, that's amazing to me is that we're still using the basis of that same plan we developed way back when for today. I mean, yeah. we update it every year. We, you know, our income has increased and decreased, and we've moved four or five times since then. 
for j- like jobs that. and yeah, different yeah. things. And, you know, we've both lost jobs and gotten new ones. And so there's been a lot of life changes. But over that time, we've used that same basic plan and just tweaked it each year as it needed to be changed based on our circumstances. And the, and the beautiful thing about it is that it allows us to kind of plan for the future. You know, we know what, what's happening this year. We know uh, what we can expect next year and even for future years. And um, it's just, you know, we're going to go see our financial planner in a couple of weeks and they asked for my f- spreadsheet. So <laughs> they should come and see you. <laughs> I keep wondering when John's going to charge them. <laughs> yeah, but it, I mean, it's stuff like, you know, we know our budget for day to day expenses. We know the big things we want to spend on. We know the goals we have for buying a different car or changes to the houses or big things like painting the house or getting a new roof or, you know, that kind of thing. And so all that stuff's baked into the plan and it really. It really helps us stay focused. Well, and it does help us take a look. Uh, You know, one of the things that uh, we talk about in the Bible study and in our uh, Journey of Generosity retreat program is that you need to have a plan for your generosity too, not just the way you're going to do your personal finances and, you know, your budget, but what, what about a plan for generosity? So many people don't have a plan for generosity that are very reactive and and this allows us to actually plan our gener- generous giving too. So now that you have a basic understanding why it's necessary to do these planning, let's talk about establishing your financial plan for this year. So these are the kinds of things that you need to think about. Is your salary going to increase or decrease in the new year? What can you do to increase your savings? How much money do you need to save on a regular basis in order to reach your retirement goals? What are your current average monthly expenses each month, and do you think they're going to increase or decrease? So if everything that we just talked about sounds good, but you don't have any data about how to make the decisions, you know, to use to make your decisions, then you need to start tracking every penny that you spend every penny and i know that sounds really uh, stressful you know (laughs) but that's what it's going to take for you to really understand you can't just throw out the things that are the big things the car payment the mortgage payment the insurance payment you know yeah everybody has those kinds of things it's how, how about all that cash going through your your fist you know on a daily basis you go to the teller machine and get $100 on Monday, and boom. And most of the time, people can't tell you where it went. Exactly. It's that debit card that's so easy to use. Mm-hmm. People don't even go to the teller machine and get money anymore. It's just that debit card, that little yeah. piece of magic plastic that just yeah. Yeah. magically takes money out of your account. You know, when we first started, we were writing stuff down because it was a conscious effort on our part to do that. And back in those days, there were no apps. But there's so many good apps and software programs out there today. Just find one you're comfortable with and start using it. Well, and even with the apps, if you're using your credit card and, and your uh, uh, debit card and all that, you know, you're getting that stuff. You can download that electronically anyway. So the only thing that you really have to write down is the money that you spend in a cash form so or that, by check. That makes you know. it a lot easier to track than oh, you yeah, used to. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you're going to put it into various categories like giving and housing costs and 
transportation costs, food costs, groceries, and eating out. I mean, that's you're eating, that's food. Uh, medical costs, your savings, your clothing, your education costs. Then you got personal expenses. You've got entertainment and vacations, uh, debt repayment. Once you get 60 to 90 days of facts, you'll have the first stages of a really solid budget for the year. One of the th- mistakes we've seen people make is that they develop a budget by pulling numbers out of the air. You know, it's like, well, I think I spend this much on groceries. I think I spend this much on housing costs. I think, I think. But if they have facts and figures to base the budget on, then it's more realistic and they're much more likely to be able to follow it because it's based on reality. Now, talking about pulling money out of the air. So when you're keeping track of your spending and you talk about 60 to 90 days, you don't wait till those 90 days and start recalling no. how you spent your cash. <laughs> you should do it if you spent it today. And today's Saturday, and when you get home, you know, put it down in your book. Put it down in your book or download it from the cloud or whatever you need to do. Because even even if you try to do it once a week, you'll never capture everything. You're going to forget half. Yeah. And get a receipt for everything. You know, so many times the the cashier will ask, oh, do you want your receipt? Do you want your receipt? I was at the airport, coming through the airport yesterday. And I I bought a, a bottle of water and, and a sandwich. You want your receipt? Absolutely. I have to count my pennies. And they look at you like, oh, you sick old man. <laughs> <laughs> Did she do the eye roll thing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do that, you know, 60 to 90 days gives you a good picture. But six months is really a good solid budget plan because by that time you've got all the stuff that happens half every um twice a year or every quarter. And you don't stop after six months. No, no. But that gives you a good plan. I mean, Audrey and I did it, but we still do it. Yeah. 40 some years later. Yes. We're still tracking. Now it's all electronic, but we're still tracking where every penny goes. And and I can tell you within 1% of how much income we had, where the money went. So um, it just becomes the new you. Well, and the thing that I like about it is that it helps us set priorities. You know, we know that we don't want to spend money there because there's a more important thing we have to do here. So it's it's not that money just flows through our fingers and then we wonder why we can't do something because we've planned ahead for it. So the stuff that we want to do that's most important, we get to do. You got to know where those here's and dears are. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> a great part of, of a good budget or good planning is seeking input from others. And Sirach 3219 says... Do nothing without counsel, and then you need to have no regrets. And even Proverbs 15.22 says, Get all the advice you can, and you will succeed. Without it, you'll fail. So it's, a, it's an opportunity for you to ask your friends, you know, what kind of an app do you use for your budgeting? You know, how do you keep track of your money? And you can find out different. I mean, there's tons and tons of things out there. And you have to find one that is easy for you. If it's not easy, if it's a chore, you're not going to keep it up. And if you don't keep it up, then you're going to fall into bad habits again. And next year, you're going to be right where you are this year financially because you won't have made any progress. Yep, absolutely. You know, another suggestion we have for a yearly checkup is to calculate your net worth on a regular basis. Maybe when you're starting out, you do it quarterly, and then you can just do it every year. But your net worth calculation is all the assets minus your debt equals your net worth. So assets are everything that you possess. 
That's a value. That has value. Yeah. Even if it's not fully paid for, it's still an asset because it has value. And then your debt, well, that's everything you owe money on, you know, your credit cards, your house, your car, whatever. Okay. School loans, all that kind of stuff. And you want your net worth to be positive, not negative. So as you track your net worth over time, maybe you start out in the first year and you do it every quarter. But as you go along, you probably only need to do it once or twice a year. But it should be increasing every time. And you can track the growth of your net worth, which is the growth that you have towards financial independence. And it's a good idea as you're tracking that to set objectives. That's a way to manage if you're meeting and uh, reaching the goals that you've set for yourself. If things are going well, that's great. That's what you want to see. But if they're not going so well and you haven't met your quarterly objective, then you have a chance to recalibrate and make a change. Before it's too late. Before it's too late, before the end of the year. Yeah, 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 absolutely. One key thing to having a successful financial plan is to reduce your debt as fast as possible. We've talked about in previous podcasts uh, how to get rid of your debt and how it encumbers most households. The average household has ten to fifteen thousand dollars of credit card debt, thirty thousand of car debt, one hundred and thirty thousand in mortgage. Some people have as much as forty thousand dollars of student debt. So the faster that you can reduce that debt, the better your financial plan will look because you're going to be saving a ton of money in interest payments once you've got those loans paid off. And if you're married, definitely need to be developing the financial plan with your spouse, even if they have no interest in money you're planning or they don't understand how to even begin putting something like this together. You need to work as a team if you're married. Well, you're both going to benefit from good planning, not only from the standpoint of eliminating the one key item, money, that causes about half the divorces in our world. But you can uh, talk to your spouse. You can provide valuable insights back and forth to make sure that you're both totally involved in the plan, in the financial plan. And the financial plan will help you find your way, not just to having a sound budget for this year, but also assisting you in developing a sound financial plan that can help you attain true financial freedom in years to come. The Lord tells us in Psalm 32, 8, I will teach you the way you should go. I will instruct you and advise you. Developing a plan and wrapping that plan in prayer will help you become a good steward of all the blessings God has showered upon you. And remember, it's not about the money. It's about the change, the change of your heart. I think you kind of get the point that we're trying to get across with this show. Have goals, but also have a plan. How are you going to achieve those goals for yourself and for your family? You can check out Evelyn's blog on this topic of giving yourself a financial health check. You'll find that blog at compasscatholic.org. And before we step away today, John and Evelyn are going to tackle a few of the emails that we've received this week. Okay, Evelyn, I'm going to start with you this time. My husband is being laid off in a couple of months. Should we continue to contribute to his 401k or discontinue contributions to further build up our savings? You know, it's really a blessing that you know your husband is going to be laid off in a few months because a lot of times when that happens, it's a surprise and you're not prepared for it. So use this time to get prepared. I would suggest you quit the contributions to the 401k and start building an emergency fund because if you need that money, and it's in your 401k, you're going to pay a penalty, 
plus you're going to pay taxes on it. So if you take $10,000 out, you're not going to have $10,000 in your pocket to help you meet this emergency. All right, John, not to show favoritism, I'll direct this question to you. Am I supposed to tithe on the child support I receive? Child support is about the only form of income on which we really shouldn't tithe. A court has awarded the child support, which is legally solely for the benefit of the child, and it's not supposed to be used for any other purpose, including giving to the church. All right, John, I definitely have time for one more. I have promised to help someone in our church financially for a certain period of time as they get back on their feet financially. However, I have since learned that they're handling their money very unwisely. In truth, I really don't want to continue giving until they can change their habits. But I've already verbally committed. What should I do? You know, I think it's a blessing that you've been able to help these people financially. Probably where you missed the boat was if you had... Um, conditions on giving them the money that should have been discussed well before this point so if you had expectations that should be decided when you actually gave them the money in the first place since you didn't do that I think that uh, in this case you should continue but only if you have a discussion with the people and talk to them about managing their money wisely. And, and uh, I'd ask them to go through the uh, Compass Navigating Your Finances uh, small group study and, and to learn and understand God's way of, of handling money and then work with them in a one-on-one kind of situation to learn to be good money managers. As always, John and Evelyn, Thank you so much. Now, if you have a question for John and Evelyn, maybe you have a financial challenge that you would like some advice on, by all means, send them your question to askask at compasscatholic.org. Also want to remind you about our brand new YouTube channel. It's called Compass Catholic. Go to youtube.com. Search for Compass Catholic, and there you will find a new weekly video series called Catholic Stewardship in Real Life. Again, youtube.com, search for Compass Catholic, and if you subscribe, it's free. That channel will always be available for you. Don't have to search anymore. For John and Evelyn Bean, we want to thank you so much for downloading our podcast, and we invite you back each and every Wednesday when we have a brand new podcast available for you. Simply go to compasscatholic.org. This is Manage Your Money God's Way, and we're from Compass Catholic Ministries.